This is really hard because I have I have like three canes. Raising canes. Oh, I do love raising canes. Uh, fried chicken, which is a, a a fast food chain that we don't have here in Washington. Started in Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. everybody to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast and today we are going to laissez les bon temps rouler and if you don't know what that means it means let the good times roll because we want to talk to you about sailing out of New Orleans or NOLA to the locals down there or NOL or NOLANS NOLANS that's right NOLANS y'all and somebody asked me the other day what NOLA was N-O-L-A it's the abbreviation for New Orleans Louisiana so uh, that's what the locals sometimes abbreviated as is NOLA so we want to talk to you about New Orleans. We've got a trip coming up, sailing out of New Orleans here in a couple of weeks. This isn't going to be our pre-trip planning show. This is our show, more like our embarkation port shows, where we wanted to share a little bit of our knowledge about sailing out of New Orleans. Now, really, we're going to focus on things to do, places to eat, maybe some places to stay, stuff like that in New Orleans, because we actually haven't sailed out of the port of New Orleans before. This is our first time doing it. So we will be sure to update you on that process in our trip report show. You might be asking yourselves, why would two people from Seattle know anything about New Orleans? Well, if we haven't shared this on the podcast prior, you're new to listening. My folks actually spent some time in New Orleans before I was born, but have recently, not recently, actually 12 years ago now, or maybe even a little bit longer, they purchased a small home in the French Quarter down there as a vacation property. And so they go down to New Orleans for around about half the year, just about every year and participate in all the festivals. They love Jazz Fest down there and Mardi Gras. And so right after Katrina, actually, Actually, my dad got roped into riding on a float crew, which for those of you who don't know, uh, Mardi Gras is actually kind of an extended festival time in New Orleans. And it starts weeks in advance of the actual Mardi Gras Day, Fat Tuesday. And the parades down there are actually thrown by private membership organizations. People join, pay dues, and then staff floats. My dad was involved with one of the largest of such float crews, spelled K-R-E-W-E, for those of you who haven't experienced it before. We were in the crew of Endymion. And so my dad got involved and roped me into it. And for 10 years, we rode on a float in what is the largest of the parades at, at Mardi Gras. It's not on Tuesday. It's on the Saturday before. It's called a super crew to be uh, specific because the the largest crews. So all of these clubs that Brian's talking about that, that have parades and parties are called crews. But Endemion is one of the super crews. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, if you haven't experienced Mardi Gras before, these are not the floats at Disneyland. <laughs> these aren't even the Macy's Day Parade kind of floats, which are pretty amazing. These floats uh, can get up to eight truck chassis long, two stories tall. They sometimes have independent steering so that they can make corners and things like that. They are decked out. And every year, the crews try to top themselves and introduce new kinds of technology into the floats. So the crew of Endymion, I believe, had a couple thousand men members in it at the time that I was riding with them. And we were on a two-story double truck chassis float. But we'll get into Mardi Gras a little bit later in the show. I want to just talk about New Orleans in general, the city of New Orleans, and talk about some things to do down there if you're sailing out of New Orleans. I first highly recommend reserving some time on either end of your trip. New Orleans is a very interesting city in the US. It is a very interesting place to visit, it has lots of history, lots of things to do. And so I, I honestly do think take some time on either end of your trip, at least a few days to try and experience some of the city. Reason I want to start with just 
New Orleans and not Mardi Gras New Orleans is. Mardi Gras New Orleans is a totally different kind of animal, and we'll have some additional tips and tricks on that side of things. Let's start with places to stay. This, to be perfectly honest, will be one of our weakest areas. Because my parents have a home down there, we're always staying in the quarter, but we have been we have been in and around the quarter and seen a bunch of the hotels in the area, and we know which hotels are closest to the port. And so just wanted to start with that. Sam, do you want to do you, do you have any suggestions on places to stay before or do you want me to take that one? I, I can start and then you can jump in. So I would say there are a bunch of the national chain hotels over by the Riverwalk, which is kind of the waterfront where there's a big shopping center slash mall type place. And so there are, you know, there's I think a Marriott there, there's a Hyatt there. I think there might be a Hilton there. So Pretty much any of your major hotel brands have a presence there. It's kind of at the edge of the central business district. And if you're staying in the central business district or Riverwalk area, you can pretty much walk to most of the the areas, the touristy areas you're going to want to walk to, which is, you know, the French Quarter, Frenchman Street, where you can uh, watch, hear jazz, you know, so it's, it's a pretty walkable city for the touristy areas, I should say. Uh, if you want to go further out, you'll have to Uber or bus or trolley or whatever. But yeah, I think that's a great area to stay in if you are just coming in to get on a cruise or you are coming off of a cruise. Yeah. So the cruises leave near the Riverwalk area and there's actually a mall down there that connects into the cruise terminal. And so if you're close to that, uh, near, I think it's Canal Street in sort of the riverfront area, then you're pretty well within walking distance of the uh, of the port. Your other options are some boutique hotels inside the quarter. There are some national chain presences in the quarter, and actually one of our one of my recommendations around like a bar to visit is in one of those hotels. But there's also just a lot of smaller, more bed and breakfast or boutique style hotels. They're all sort of lovely. Just make sure you check out their websites to understand what the accommodations are like. But, you know, being in the quarter means you're going to be in the heart of New Orleans. The French Quarter is kind of the beating heart of the city a little bit. The French Quarter kind of sits at the intersection of a lot of different areas of New Orleans and is right on the waterfront and where there's a lot of stuff to do. So it's a great place to be inside the quarter or kind of on its edges. A lot of the chain hotels, frankly, sit on the edge of the quarter uh, because the French Quarter itself is in a highly protected area for historical preservation. So doing any kind of construction in the quarter, even basic home repair requires just a ton of permits and extra cost. And so uh, you're not going to find high rises in the quarter or anything like that. So when new hotels get built, they get built outside the quarter or they're renovating existing structures at huge cost. So those boutique hotels inside the quarter also tend to be a lot pricier than the accommodations that you're going to stay at outside the quarter. So that's, that's one recommendation. And as Brian is talking about that, that area right next to the quarter that has a lot of those really, you know, larger hotels is really the central business district to the CBD. And that's also where all of the, you know, downtown office buildings, that's the downtown area of New Orleans, which is completely walkable to the French Quarter. That's really places to stay. The one thing I will add on here is an asterisk for Mardi Gras time. If you are sailing out of New Orleans in or around Mardi Gras, you need to make hotel reservations. Hotels can book up a year in advance of Mardi Gras because Mardi Gras is set on the calendar. You know it based on 
when Lent falls and everything. So everyone knows when Mardi Gras is happening and they will book hotel rooms early. We actually do have a hotel book this time around across the port because we're leaving Nathan with my parents and we wanted to kind of have a little separation from him as we sort of head out so he can get used to staying at my parents' place while we're gone. Uh, their, their place is quite tiny there in New Orleans. So we will stay with them after the cruise. Before the cruise, we do have a hotel book. So we'll let you know how that goes. Pre-cruise was not a big deal for us to get a hotel room. The weekend after Mardi Gras, most hotels are getting pretty close to booked up, if not already booked. This year, I think it's a little different because of COVID. So some people being a little skittish about going. The other big thing to keep in mind, if you decide to stay after and Mardi Gras is after your cruise, there's a lot of hotels and most hotels have like a three-night minimum pay up front. You're losing at least half of the uh, half of the trip payment if you try to cancel at any point. So if you're going to go and stay for Mardi Gras, be prepared to go and stay for Mardi Gras and make those reservations early. All right, let's talk about stuff to do, Sam. And here, look, there is a lot to do in New Orleans. We are going to barely scratch the surface of activities. We're not going to get into, you know, which hop on hop off tour bus is the best because we don't do that. We've been there enough and we just we wandered around on our own. We, you know, read guidebooks and things like that or my parents showed us around. So, sure that those activities are available and I'm sure that there are good ones and less good ones. We want to hit some discrete things and maybe uh, I will say a few off the beaten path opportunities. And so, I'm going to start real quick with one recommendation and then we'll just kind of bounce back and forth until we we think we've covered our recommendations here and we'll move on to food. My recommendation is so everyone who goes to New Orleans heads straight for Bourbon Street and you have to. All right. And Bourbon Street is Bourbon Street. It's kind of like going to whatever pier that is, whatever wharf that is in San Francisco. Everybody goes there. Fisherman's. Yeah, Fisherman's Wharf. It's got the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company and all that sort of stuff. It, it, Bourbon Street is a commercialized version of New Orleans. It is not the real New Orleans at times. And so what I'm going to recommend is, yes, if it's your first time, go check out Bourbon Street, prepare to be shocked and amazed. And yes, you can walk around New Orleans with an open container in your hand because they have a much more progressive view on drinking alcohol in public than many other cities based on the tourism trade. But with that said, a couple of suggestions. One is head to the far end of Bourbon Street and then keep going. Once you get into the more residential areas of the French Quarter, things calm down quite a bit. And there's some really cool off the beaten path spots in the more residential areas of the quarter that are off of Bourbon Street. If you go to the far end of Bourbon Street, you're going to find one of the oldest bars in the quarter, Lafitte's. Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop is is a really fun bar to go and visit. It actually has, it has some electricity now, but they don't have electric lights. They use candlelight <laughs> in the bar. It's a very, very old bar and a very great place to go get a drink. I would say especially not at Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, that place is going to be packed to the gills. And it's tiny to begin with. And it's tiny. All the all these places that we're going to talk about, New Orleans is a compact city. It's got a lot of tiny spots to it. So Lafitte's is a great place to go. But my biggest recommendation is head one street closer to the river and walk down Royal Street. And the reason I'm going to suggest you walk down Royal is that Royal is chock full of fun little shops and stores, art galleries, and antique shops that are just fun to walk through. We love walking down Royal. And I will tell you, all the locals are going to walk down Royal before they walk down Bourbon. So walk down Royal Street. There's a famous artist who has a gallery there who draws the blue dog. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he he's famous for his depictions of this blue dog in all kinds of different settings. Um, there's just some great old antique stores you can wander in and see some really just interesting things. 
So lots of art, lots of culture on that street, lots of little shops to stop in that the, uh, the, the locals like to frequent. So that's my first tip. Head down Royal, see bourbon, but then head down Royal. And once you head down Royal, you're going to walk down Royal all the time. So say, what's your first tip for people and things to do? So I'm going to tell people to go over or head over to the garden district and either walk around yourself or grab a walking tour. There's lots of walking tours for this like beautiful, picturesque neighborhood where there's just these amazing houses, these amazing lawns, all of, you know, the houses have these really cool terraces ton of historic homes. Obviously, the French Quarter also has a ton of, it's all, it's all historic homes, really. But I think the Garden District is just a beautiful neighborhood to check out. There are certainly uh, restaurants and shops there as well. There's their, They have their own little kind of downtown area in the Garden District. There is this cool t-shirt shop that I like there. What is it called? Something Coast. I don't know. We should also caveat this by saying that we haven't been to New Orleans in a couple of years. And with COVID, we're not sure what has closed and what has stayed open. So when we get back, if we visit some of our favorite places, uh, we will try to update this in some way with a with a sort of, hey, here's the things that were open and closed. But yes. Oh, it's called Dirty Coast. Dirty Coast. Just a, a cool t-shirt shop. They are still there. They have some some just I don't know. They have some cool logos. I remember this t-shirt I got that was of a how to assemble a po' boy sandwich. And it's just this really fun New Orleans focused t-shirt shop. And there's one in, uh, I think on Magazine Street in the Garden District, if I'm correct. I'm not great on my geography, so don't quote me if I get the location wrong. Yeah, Sam also likes, uh, we, we're not going to get to, we probably won't get to this one in restaurants, but Sam likes, a, uh, there's a bagel place over there from a New York guy who moved down to New Orleans and they make some fantastic bagels uh, over there and have a nice little deli and you can get sandwiches or breakfast sandwiches and that kind of stuff. So we do usually pop over to the Garden District to grab breakfast one day, wander through the t-shirt shop. And there's just a lot of other kind of off the beaten path uh, stores over there that it's fun to kind of look in and out of. All right. My next recommendation is going to be to, if you're into music, you should head over to the Marigny one night. And Marigny is spelled M-A-R-I-G-N-Y. It is a neighborhood that is east of the quarter along the river. And it is full of lots of bars that do live music in the evening. And so if you are a music aficionado uh, and you're just down in New Orleans for a few days, uh, I would head over to the Marigny to catch a live set from one of the local bands or visiting uh, visiting acts. It's a lot of fun to head down there. And the beauty with New Orleans is you can kind of bar hop. I mean, you might have to pay covers to get in or get a ticket for a show. But if you're wandering in and out of some of the smaller bars, you can get a to-go cup anywhere you are <laughs> with your drink. Walk outside, go to the next bar and bring your to-go cup in with you. They are very, very liberal with their drinking laws down there. Yeah, in fact, they have their own name for to-go cups. They don't call them to-go cups. They just call them go cups. Go cups. Go so cups. If- If you were given a glass with your drink and you want to take your drink with you, just ask them for a go cup and they will pour your drink into a plastic disposable cup. But anyway, head across the street from the quarter into the Marigny and there are just a ton of little spots that you can watch some live music and uh, grab a drink. Most of them are along Frenchman Street. Or just off of Frenchman Street, so that's the place to uh, that's the place to head. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't realize this. There's also a Deepwater Horizon Memorial over there. So if you wanted to go over there and check that out, that is in the the Marigny from the Deepwater Horizon tragedy that was off the coast of Louisiana. So, Sam, what's another tip from you? All right. Well, this one is not at all off the beaten path. This is probably 
the most common tourist destination or one of the most common tourist destinations in New Orleans, but it's Jackson Square. So you've got to go to Jackson Square, which is a a little park in the middle of the French Quarter. There are artists usually out selling their artwork. There are oftentimes street performers out there playing some music or doing some juggling or, or something like that. But you've ju- it's it's one of those quintessential New Orleans places. You'll be right. The, the square opens up uh, from St. Louis Cathedral, and it's very central. It's kind of the heart of the French Quarter, and you've just got gotta to go there. Since we're so close to Jackson Square, I got to make one food recommendation while we're here. We'll have many more down the line, but uh, it's right kitty corner to, to Jackson Square, and that's Cafe Du Monde. The most famous place to grab beignets and cafe au lait with chicory coffee in the morning. So you, you want to get there early if you're interested in getting beignets. Otherwise, there's a there's a pretty good line. You can also just grab beignets and coffee to go and sit across the street in Jackson Square and eat them. But Cafe Du Monde is kind of a must do. Uh, it is it is very touristy, but the beignets are good. Honestly, <laughs> this isn't like this isn't a lesser quality beignet. It is good for a reason and it is well visited for a reason. And the locals still do go get beignets there. My next tip for a place to visit is actually close to Cafe Du Monde. There is a market that runs down along, it's the French market, that runs down along that main street, just down the street from Cafe Du Monde. If you head east from Cafe Du Monde on Decatur, that's how they pronounce it, maybe Decatur in the the proper pronunciation, but the locals are going to pronounce it Decatur. That's another thing you should get prepared for. They're going to pronounce a lot of things different than you would think. So there is a street in New Orleans called Calliope. They pronounce it Calliope. So uh, the original French is out the window here. There's also a street called Chartres Street that they pronounce Charts. Don't forget Chapatulis. Chapatulis. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of names here that get thrown around that you might look at the map and go, that's not what that street's called, but, but, but it is. So anyway, down Decatur is the market, the French market. Lots of little stalls. Great place to pick up maybe a little souvenir item. I would say look in the market. Don't look at the shops across the street from the market. Those are the tourist trap shops where you can get the three t-shirts for a dollar. You know, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, fantastic. But there are lots of great little stalls in the French market. And frankly, I should just say, look, you should wander around the quarter. You know, my, my recommendation around wandering around Royal extends to other parts of the quarter. There are just lots of little nooks and crannies, shops, stores. There is a bar that seemed to absinthe and William Faulkner <laughs> because he lived in the quarter and wrote books in the quarter. There are just tons of little places you can duck in and out. Voodoo museums, places where you can do ghost tours. There's there's a place in the quarter that will offer you a Mardi Gras parade experience, which I'm going to tell you right now, having ridden a Mardi Gras parade, it's not, but it's still fun. They, they, they kind of bring people along a little motorized float through the quarter and have them throw beads at people. So you can have that experience too. So lots of stuff there. But my recommendation is the French market. I think that's a great place to stop. I don't think we can talk about things to do in New Orleans without mentioning a couple of things specifically. One is the World War II Museum. We have heard nothing but consistently great things about the World War II Museum. So if you have the opportunity to go over there and visit, we highly recommend it. We have not been able to make it over there ourselves for just a ton of different reasons, but have heard nothing but good reviews of that museum and uh, being a wonderful use of time. Also want to call out that there is a spot called Mardi Gras World. So if you are interested in learning more about Mardi Gras, you can head over there. It's done in conjunction with kind of the primary float builder for all the Mardi Gras crews. So you can go kind of see the process and uh, see some of the floats and things like that. It's a great place to visit. I would not encourage heading over there during Mardi Gras itself uh, because it's a pretty busy place at that moment in time. But outside of that, it's kind of a neat place to visit and understand the history and uh, what's behind Mardi Gras. 
The other the other place is just the uh, the Audubon Society has both a zoo and an aquarium in New Orleans, and both are supposed to be very good. There's actually a children's book written about the Audubon Zoo, which is a lot of fun. We've read it to our son several times. Definitely recommend uh, checking out those, especially if you're there with kiddos. They can be a fun activity. And then, you know, beyond those, there's also some great jazz museums and locations where you can learn more about the history of jazz. Louis Armstrong has an entire park. uh, And I think believe there's like a jazz museum attached to that. And then there's also a jazz museum, I believe, over near the Marigny. Uh, So if you're into music, lots of opportunities to learn more about music. If you're traveling with kids, the other thing I just wanted to recommend is to head out to City Park. Uh, City Park is not as big as, but is kind of like New York Central Park for New Orleans. It's just a big park. Uh, And there's lots of things to do over there. There's just basic kind of, you know, playgrounds and things like that. But there's just lots of uh, potential activities over there for kids. It's a great place to go walk around if the weather's nice. The other thing, the asterisk here for Mardi Gras time is City Park is actually where some of the float crews stage their floats before they ride out. And so if you head over to City Park on like the weekend before Mardi Gras, you can actually see like our float crew staged their floats in City Park. And so you could go over there and kind of wander around and see the floats as they were getting kind of set up and people were getting ready to ride. So you didn't have to be out on the uh, the parade route itself to see the floats. So, and the float crews were always very generous to kids as they were wandering around looking at the floats. So if you're with kids, you're there at Mardi Gras time on that Saturday before, especially you can head out to City Park and see some of the floats. So Sam, anything that, any last recommendations you have for activities before we move on to everyone's favorite thing, which is food? Yeah. So there's just one other thing I wanted to recommend. And this is really, if you're traveling adults only, it's a, it's a bar I wanted to recommend. There's actually probably two bars I'll recommend. One is Lafitte's in Exile, which is uh, an amazing gay bar in the, at the corner of Bourbon and Dumaine. It's kind of at the quieter end of Bourbon Street. It's, it's really fun. I, I, would like in the middle of the day. I might not go. I think it gets a little rowdy in the evening time. So depending upon if you're a big partier or not. I but and it's really packed during Mardi Gras, of course. But yeah, I think it's a, a fun place to go. The other bar I would recommend for adults is Pat O'Brien's is very, very famous, but I would recommend specifically the dueling piano bar section. It has like I think three different bars within Pat O'Brien's. They are famous for their hurricanes, uh, but their dueling piano bar is super fun. Anyone who's been to Jelly Rolls um, at Disney World or some of the other dueling piano bars around the country knows what I'm talking about. It's a really fun experience, and you sing along with the amazing pianists. Nice. Yeah, well, if we're going to talk about bars, I want to recommend the Carousel Bar. Oh, yeah, at Hotel Monteleone. Yeah, the Carousel Bar at Hotel Monteleone gets its name because it's actually the bar is built out of a carousel and the seats rotate. <laughs> so you have to pick your drink up every once in a while to make sure it follows you uh, around the bar. But it's a fun spot and they actually have live music in there, live jazz music in there. And so it's a great spot to go grab a drink. Uh, traditional drinks in New Orleans, the Hurricane, obviously, that will, as like a Long Island iced tea, it will mess you up very quickly. So be careful and pace yourself when you're coming to Hurricanes, especially at Pat O'Brien's. They make a very delicious but strong Hurricane. Other drinks that are kind of popular in New Orleans, the Negroni uh, is a very popular drink down there. Any drinks with sort of Aperol or Campari are very popular in New Orleans. And so some great drinks to try out while you're down there, especially at some of these bars we've recommended. Abita is the local beer, as is Dixie, which is the equivalent of, uh, let's say, a Budweiser or a Rainier or something like that locally. it's I, I, think, I think it's better than Budweiser, I will say that. Sorry to any Budweiser fans out there. But Dixie Beer and Abita Beer are two of the local beers that uh, that are made, I think, somewhat locally. They've changed hands over time. 
And so, yeah, great spots to grab a drink. There's lots of great bars in the quarter. I would say, especially if you can get off Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street is just kind of packed with the frozen drink takeaway spots and that kind of stuff. So let's get to food, Sam. Let's get to food. And we're going to start with what I'm going to call the famous restaurants. Look, New Orleans is home to a lot of good food, lots of great spots. We can't possibly hit them all. So we're just going to tell you some of our favorites. If you're going down there and it's not at Mardi Gras time, there are some really famous restaurants down there. Commander's Palace being one of the most famous places, a place that's trained a lot of chefs that you've probably heard of or that they've at least worked in that kitchen. There's a place called Galatoire's, which is beloved by locals, is very hard to get into and requires lots of advance notice reservations. And usually you want to bring kind of a party of people to Galatoire's. It's not a place you kind of show up and just have like two people for dinner kind of thing. It's more of an experience than anything else. I believe there's also a restaurant called Antoine's. Am I getting that right? Antoine's, yeah. Uh, we, I don't think, have eaten at Antoine's, but it is very, very famous down there in the quarter. There's also, I think, Three Sisters, it might be called, which is also very famous in the quarter. There's also Emeralds. Yeah, Emerald, obviously. So, look, these are all fantastic restaurants. We don't eat at them every time that we go. And so I, I don't want to you know, overplay our hand here in terms of the recommendations. I just want to point out those are kind of the, some of the famous names down there. The asterisks around this with Mardi Gras is that these restaurants are going to be really full, really busy, packed up, pre-booked for Mardi Gras. And I also you know, think the common wisdom is they're not putting out their best product at Mardi Gras. You know, Think about it as like eating dinner on New Year's Eve. Sometimes they're having limited menus and that sort of thing just because the city is packed to the gills. And so I would highly recommend some of these places try them out. If you're not there at Mardi Gras time, at Mardi Gras time, I think it can be a little bit different of an experience. That's it. Let's talk about some of our particular favorite spots, Sam. You want to start with the, like, what's your what's your top of the list? The place you love to go. This is really hard because I have I have like three canes, Ra- raisin canes. Oh, I do love raisin canes, <laughs> uh, fried chicken, which is a, a a fast food chain that we don't have here in Washington. Started in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah they have it. They even have it in in Vegas now, but um, we don't have it here in Washington and in Anaheim. That's For right. all of our listeners who like to visit Disneyland, we go to Raisin Canes when we're in Anaheim. But it started in New Orleans. It is chicken fingers and fries, fast food, but it is delicious. It is really good. So, it is yeah, delicious, anyway. but it's not at the top of my list. So the top of my list has got to be Koshans. Koshans is they they have a a, a butcher deli area and they also have a sit down kind of nicer restaurant. It is all things that come from the pig. <laughs> so if you do not eat pork, you do not want to go to Koshans. You will find very little on the menu to eat. Yeah, they have they have pork pork rinds as an appetizer. But it's like fancy pork. It's like Yeah, every- I was gonna say just to set the stage, I'm not sure I would take a little kid to Koshans. So like Koshans is a higher end restaurant. It's not sitting at the commander's palace level or commanding that kind of price. You certainly don't have to be dressy to go there or anything like that. But it is a very nice restaurant. I, I honestly have had just some of the best dishes. The I think the best time I've ever had rabbit was there. It was kind of this like rabbit, I want to call it like a casserole or something. You just said it was all things pig. What did a pig no, eat I know. rabbit they, they I mean, it? <laughs> No, it was, listen, it was, they didn't cook the rabbit in the pig, but it was, I remember this dish. It was a delicious like rabbit stew or casserole type dish. And it was fantastic. I feel like the appetizer and the sides and stuff all had pork in them. But the one dish that I really remember and how the dish just sang, it was a rabbit dish. But yeah, I think Koshan's is fantastic. And fabulous drinks at Koshan's, yes. yes. And I would, but I would recommend reservations. It's not going to be 
as difficult as like a commander's palace or a galatoire's, but it is for dinner going to be one of those places where you you do want to have reservations if you're if you're not sitting at the bar really. If you're sitting if you're going to be like a single person sitting at the bar, maybe even two sitting at the bar, you might probably can get in without a reservation without waiting too long. But if you are four, six, eight, whatever people, you need to make an advance reservation. And by the way, the asterisks here across all of these is when we say need to make a reservation, that's any time of year at Mardi Gras, that goes like 10x. It's 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 going to be, you got to make advanced reservations for these places at Mardi Gras. The city is a zoo and the locals will go to these places. And so they know about them and have already booked them up. Same thing with, I should say, for any hotels that are along a parade route, which coming into downtown, all of the parades come down canal. You just you need to be prepared that those hotel rooms that face the parade route, they're gone <laughs> like way early. People sit out on balconies and watch parades and the parades all turn down Rampart Street. So any hotels along Rampart Street are also going to be pretty booked up at that point. So, all right. My first recommendation, I- I'm going to go to the lower end and give a couple of recommendations around a famous food in New Orleans, which is the po'boy. And so po'boys are really popular in New Orleans. Lots of spots to get one. Uh, You can sort of bump into a good spot to get one almost anywhere. But I've got sort of three spots I'm going to recommend you check out for a po'boy. If you're willing to travel or grab an Uber, the best place, in my opinion, to get a New Orleans po'boy is at the Parkway Deli. And Parkway is kind of known for po'boys. People line up to get po'boys there. They they get really great bread, really great ingredients, lots of selection of, you know, fillings for po'boys. Traditional fillings tend to be things like fried shrimp, uh, fried oysters, roast beef. And roast beef sometimes is, you know, roast beef that's messy, like they put like sauce and au jus and stuff in it or just plain. Um, you can get these made almost any way you want. But Parkway Deli is like our favorite spot to get a po'boy. I guarantee we will try to go there on our upcoming trip. If you're you know, more just wanting to stick within the quarter and wander around the quarter, two spots I've found. So when I rode in Mardi Gras, we had to bring food with us. I mean, this was like a 12-hour day uh, to go out there, get ready, ride, get to the after party at the Superdome. Uh, and so we would, my dad and I would always grab po'boys. Yeah, so my dad and I would order po'boys from Nola Po'boy, which is on Bourbon Street between Domain and St. Philip on the eastern side of the French Quarter. Uh, and they make it just a really good po'boy. It's just really good, kind of classic po'boys. And so that's a great spot. The really off the beaten spot path to go to get a po'boy, however, is a place called Matassas Market. Matassas Market is on St. Philip Street at the corner of St. Philip and Dauphine, between Dauphine and Burgundy, basically, but on the corner of St. Philip and Dauphine. It is a locals-only grocery store, and they have a deli counter in the back. They make po'boys and make other things. Uh, you're going to find lots of locals coming in and out of there with po'boys and other food. Uh, anyway, those are the three spots I'd recommend. Parkway, if you're willing to drive. Nola po'boys, if you want to walk. And Matassas, if you want something really off the beaten path. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late. 
with all the new genie technology and everything. Like I, I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there, check them out, touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. What's next up for you, Sam? All right. So I'm going to take you about two miles outside of the French Quarter, but you're just going to go up Canal Street. Now you're going to you're going to have to take either a trolley or a Uber or a car because it is about two, two and a half miles away. But this restaurant is called Venezia. Venezia. She's sending you to Italian food in New Orleans. I'm totally sending you to Italian food in New Orleans. Now, I, I, you know, you, you can take the girl out of New York, but you can't take New York out of the girl. That's all I have to say. This is some authentic New York style Italian food. And when I say that, I mean pizza, pasta, chicken parm, all the good, delicious food. Let's give the backstory here, which is that Venezia's was opened uh, by a local in New Orleans who had a loose connection with the New York mafia and asked the New York mafia to send them a chef, which they did. And this is like, this is not, this is not today. And so they got the good New York Italian food because the people visiting there needed the good New York Italian food. So this, this spot is legit. Italian food this is the closest I've seen to traditional New York style Italian food outside of New York City. So that that it and Sam is recommending it as a New Yorker. So it's good. It's so good. So, so good. The pizza is really I mean, it's way better than any of the Italian food we get here in the Seattle area. I am going, you know, to New Orleans and I haven't been to New York in a while. Venezia's hits the spot for me. It gives me that feeling like I'm back home. It transports me through food uh, momentarily to being back in New York. There is also a gelato slash Italian dessert place next door that is fantastic as well. So it's kind of a double recommendation. But again, Canal Street, this is in mid-city. So you're talking two to two and a half miles outside of the French Quarter. An easy Uber ride or trolley ride or bus ride. All right, I'm going to give kind of a litany of recommendations here and then hand it over to Sam for any last ones that she has. And I may back clean up on a couple if she misses them, but I want to kind of break these down into a couple categories. So one is what I'm going to call diners. And there are really two that I recommend, two diners that I recommend in the quarter. One is very close to some other spots we've been talking about, and it's called the Clover Grill. Uh, And the Clover Grill is kind of a famous little spot in the quarter, very small, 
very, very small. So there will almost assuredly be a line unless you go at some weird time of day. It is open, I think, almost all the time. It does close in, in the late evening, like you know, early morning, really. Uh, but they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They are famous for what they call hubcap burgers, which for any of you who are not familiar, in New Orleans, they make something called a hubcap burger, which is literally a burger that they grill under a hubcap. <laughs> so they are famous for that. But they just have some really good kind of greasy spoon diner food, which usually hits the spot late night after a few hurricanes. So it's a great spot to go and you can actually get food from them to go as well. Caveat again around Mardi Gras time, it can get really busy and they can limit their ability to do takeout. So Clover Grill is a fun little spot. There's another diner that we like to visit. It was experiencing some legal troubles, I will say. And so the owner, I think, had multiple locations and there was some dispute over naming and some things like that. So I'm going to give you the name that I knew it under. It may have changed hands. And if it did, then I will try to update with what name is. It may have also closed altogether, which would be unfortunate because it was another great late night diner kind of spot. And it's called Camellia Grill. Uh, again, kind of just, you know, greasy spoon kind of food, but a fun atmosphere. These diners kind of in the quarter tend to have like the rough and tumble servers and service. And you got to know what you want when they come around or else they're going to make you wait for 15 minutes, which I think just kind of adds to the fun of it. But the Camellia Grill, I thought was another great kind of diner spot in the in the French Quarter. The other spot that I wanted to highlight, which uh, again, there's I think a little bit of a question mark or whether it's still around, but it's in Jackson Square. And so there is uh, a spot over there called Stanley's and an accompanying bar next door, at least there used to be called Stella's. Stanley's and Stella's, I, we always love to go there for breakfast slash lunch or a brunch kind of situation. You usually have to wait for a table, but the nice thing is you can head next door to Stella's and get a really amazing Bloody Mary to go and kind of wander around Jackson Square while you wait for your table at Stanley's. And so lots of great little shops and stores to wander in and out of over in Jackson Square. And the artists, as Sam said, we've bought some really interesting street art from them in the past. But I think Stanley's is kind of a great spot to hit for, again, that kind of diner food, but a little bit Stanley's is a little bit better than the other two spots that we mentioned in terms of the kind of quality atmosphere service. So Stanley's and Stella's is another great spot. Sam, you mentioned off air you wanted to hit the, uh, the oyster spots. If you want to hit them, that's great. Sam doesn't eat oysters in full disclosure. So I will give you my favorite of the one she's going to give you as soon as she's done giving them. So go ahead, Sam. Yeah. So there, there's a bunch of different uh, well-known oyster spots in New Orleans. Probably the three most famous are Acme Oyster House, Felix's, and Drago's Restaurant. So they are all known for oysters. What I'm talking about is both fresh oysters or charbroiled oysters. You can have them either way at any of those places. Personally, I am not an oyster fan, although I have eaten and enjoyed a fried oyster a couple of times. But yeah, just not my thing. But Brian does like them. And they don't just serve oysters. You can get other food. They are just you know, traditional New Orleans restaurants. And so you can find other things on the menu as well. Yeah. Well, I got to add one. You missed a big one, which is the Royal House. Royal House is really famous for for its oysters as well. So I would say my dad and I do enjoy having oysters on the half shell and a drink uh, as kind of an afternoon late lunch or maybe just a snack or, you know, kind of that kind of thing. And uh, the two places that we like to go are the Royal House and Acme. Both are very good. Um, the oysters are reasonably priced and very fresh and they've got just, you know, great beer and drinks on tap. You can sit at the bar and just have some uh, have some oysters. In Louisiana, you're going to find oysters that you put on a cracker and add a little Tabasco sauce to because Louisiana is the home of the Tabasco sauce. So they have a whole store there dedicated to Tabasco sauce. So uh, I highly recommend, by the way, crystal sauce over Tabasco sauce. I think it's a much better 
hot sauce. So if you're in Louisiana and you can pick up a little crystal sauce to take home with you, you can. They sell it in a lot of grocery stores now too. So last recommendations here that I just wanted to highlight places that we've been and enjoyed. So these are really off the beaten path. You are probably going to have to drive to these places and they're not going to be in well-trod neighborhoods. I'll just say that. One is a barbecue restaurant called The Joint. And it is really good barbecue. You know, I don't know that Louisiana is necessarily known for barbecue, but it is a really good barbecue spot. So if you're craving some barbecue, it is over in what's called the Bywater, which is further east from the Marigny, or or at least, I guess, maybe southeast of the Marigny. But it is a great little spot that we have visited in the past and enjoyed. The, The last recommendation I'll give is just there is a fried chicken restaurant that has become famous, which is called Willie Mae's Scotch House. I think Anthony Bourdain went there and that's what made it famous. It's either Anthony Bourdain or the uh, the diners, drive-ins and dives aficionado Guy Fieri. But I think it was actually Anthony Bourdain went there, which is another tip I would give is just, you know, Anthony Bourdain did a really nice series on New Orleans and he visited there a lot. I was a big fan of his. I'm sorry he passed so soon. If you go back and watch some of his shows on New Orleans, he's got some just really interesting spots that he visits. And uh, so I think that's also a great place to get some recommendations on places to eat. Willie Mae Scotch House is, is in the Treme, which was made famous by an HBO series. And so it is also in kind of a more neighborhoody spot uh, and, and around New Orleans. So it's a good spot. I will say I'm a fried chicken aficionado. I enjoyed Willie Mae's. It is not my favorite fried chicken that I've ever had, but lots of people really love it. I would definitely go back. And then I just remembered I forgot one other spot, which is an absolute favorite of mine. I highly recommend everyone go there. It's actually talking to a friend recently on text message because he was looking for some suggestions and I immediately thought Port of Call. So there is a restaurant on the very edge of the French Quarter called Port of Call. It is famous for its burgers and it's a tiki bar. <laughs> so they have really great drinks. Uh, again, it's going to be a wait. It is frequented by the locals. You can get a reservation in advance, I believe. They do lunch and dinner most days. The best thing you can do is kind of wander over there. If you can't get a reservation, get your name on the list, grab a really delicious tiki drink in a go cup and stand outside while you wait for your reservation to get called or where you wait for your table to get called. So really great. The only oddity about Port of Call, which throws a few people off, is they, they don't serve fries with their burgers. They serve baked potatoes, which I admit the first time I was like, really a baked potato? But it is delicious. So Port of Call is famous for those burgers and baked potatoes. Uh, I have a go cup from there sitting on my desk at work because it's just a great spot. So highly recommend Port of Call. Sam, we have hit places to stay. We've hit things to do and we've hit places to eat. I think we should just round this out with what New Orleans is famous for, which is Mardi Gras and tips and tricks around Mardi Gras specifically. So I don't think there are any places here that we would say, don't go to these places during Mardi Gras. I think we've highlighted for restaurants, it can be a little tricky on the higher end and you need reservations. But I want to talk specifically about Mardi Gras and from kind of two different views. Mardi Gras, as everyone conceives it, is a Bacchanalian, unfettered drinking event full of screaming people getting things thrown at them from floats. And that is certainly one version of Mardi Gras. But I want to suggest for those of you who may be traveling with kids down to New Orleans during the Mardi Gras season, there is a very different version of Mardi Gras that you can experience if you're not on the parade route in the downtown French Quarter area. I should also highlight the parades do not come through the French Quarter. The floats are way too big to fit down the streets. And so they do not go through the quarter. So don't expect to be sitting at a bar in the quarter and suddenly see a bunch of floats coming through. Locals do do walking parades on Mardi Gras Day through the quarter uh, where they just dress up because they're friends and neighbors or, you know, roommates and stuff. And they wander through the quarter. And it's a fun little parade to see march little haphazard marching bands and things like that. But the big parades 
down the edge of the quarter and then um, move away from the quarter because the quarter is just too tight. If you move up those parade routes, if you find spots that are further up the parade routes in the neighborhood, they may still be crowded, but what you're going to find are friends and neighbors who are tailgating for these parades as opposed to revelers, partygoers, and tourists who are just out you know, from the bars. And it can be a little wilder crowd on that end of the parade than at the beginning of the parade. At the beginning of the parade is also happens earlier in the day. These parades last hours. And so if you can get up toward the beginning of the parade, it's going to be lighter out. You can see a lot of the floats. Maybe you don't stay for the whole thing because these, these parades can be really long, but you can get a taste of it. New Orleans is really famous for <laughs> kids sitting atop ladders. So they build these ladders that have seats on them and the kids sit up atop the ladder above the crowd so that the floats can get things to them and see them more easily. Uh, and, you know, the float crew members take a lot of pride in being able to get their throws as far back into the crowd as they can. And they love to get things to kids. The other, the other tip with that is there are a couple of what Brian's talking about with these parades to get to early are typically the evening parades and the biggest crews, most of them ride in the evening. But there are a couple of daytime parades. The crew of Iris actually rides uh, an afternoon or daytime parade. That's an all-female super crew. Crew of Muses rides at night, but they are known for being kid-friendly. It's also an all-female crew uh, that's riding in that another super crew. So there are some, some more kid-friendly uh, ones, but but definitely, as Brian said, on the you want to be there on the earlier hours and at the towards the front of the parade route, not towards the end of the parade route, and not in the downtown corridor because that's where the biggest tourist crowds are, and those are the most rowdy crowds. Yeah. Now, the other tip that I will give is if you go further out into some of the neighborhoods, it, there's an app you can download from the local newspaper that gives you all the parade times and routes and you know all this sort of stuff. If you go further out into the real neighborhoods of New Orleans, they have what are called truck float parades, which are really geared toward families, much smaller kind of affairs, lots of homemade floats, I'll call it, you know, neighborhoods getting together to make a float and then drive it. So the truck floats are a great way to sort of experience a little bit of Mardi Gras without the chaos and hecticness of Mardi Gras if you want to get there. All that said, the biggest tip I want to give people is be patient around Mardi Gras, especially with traffic. So my biggest tips are on days that they're going to have nighttime parades, you should plan dinner and things walking uh, because getting across parade routes or through parade routes, especially if you're staying downtown near the quarter, is going to be all but impossible in cars. And what few cars there are are going to be backed up for a long, long time. So when parades are happening, you're going to be stuck in the downtown corridor and French Quarter area for the most part because these floats are massive. They stage on city streets. They ride down city streets for hours uh, and they're not letting cars just kind of pass through the parade route. Other tip I will give is if you are planning to leave New Orleans during Mardi Gras, either do it on the Monday before or the Wednesday after and plan a flight early enough in the day that you don't get impacted by parades. Uh, the reason being is, again, once those parades start, it is near impossible to get out of the quarter and to the airport. We've experienced this ourselves. We made the stupid decision to try to fly home on a Tuesday. We missed our flight and had to rebook onto a Wednesday. My, my best advice is fly out before Tuesday. Tuesday is a citywide holiday in New Orleans. Everyone is out. The parades are happening in the middle of the day. 
if you're in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, they have a ceremony where Rex, the king of Mardi Gras, who is part of the crew of Rex, is the crew of Rex? I think, no, it's the, yeah, the crew of Rex meets the crew of the, meets the head of the crew of Zulu, which is, which is an all African-American crew that they have down there that rides at Mardi Gras. And so the two heads of them meet and that happens like early in the morning, I think on Fat Tuesday, or it might happen on Monday, the day before. And then the Mardi Gras Day Parade is the crew of Rex, uh, and I believe the crew of Zulu. And they're two of the smaller kind of super crews. And so they combine their parades. And the mayor also gives the king of Rex the key to the city for Mardi Gras Day because it is the the city holiday, basically. Right. Well, he, he symbolically hands over control of the city to the king of Rex, who then declares it to be a citywide holiday. So... So yeah, so that's uh, my tip on Mardi Gras is just there's different facets of Mardi Gras from the more family-oriented tailgating kind to the drunken melee that can happen on Bourbon Street. And so you can kind of pick which direction you want to head with that. Lots of places where you can buy tickets to sit in grandstands to see floats if you don't want to try to fight crowds. Lots of interesting float crews that throw very interesting things based on their, their crews. Light up medallions. The crew of muses, which my mom rides in, throws decorated shoes. I should say they don't throw them. They hand them out just kind of gently to people near the parade route. But it, lots of that stuff going on. The crews all have a particular bent to them. There's a chaos, I think it is. There's a crew that does a lot of political satire, and I'm trying to, with their floats, so I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. But download this app through the New Orleans, uh, I think it's the New Orleans newspaper, but there's an app that will tell you all about the floats and the crews and when they're riding and all that sort of stuff. Pay attention to it, be prepared for traffic, and plan your travel accordingly. So there's also, if you're headed down there and you can get one, the super crews do big parties after their float rides. The crew that I was in, for instance, the floats went to private party inside the Superdome and the floats rode through the Superdome and the people who were there could see the floats up close and personal. We would save a lot of our best stuff for those folks because they had paid to be there and we're helping to support the crew. It was a black tie affair, which I blew my mind because it's basically people wheeling coolers of, <laughs> of their own drinks in and and, and getting catered, you know, sandwiches and stuff at their tables. And then they're having beads thrown at them, but they have to wear tuxes and ball gowns. But if you can get tickets to that stuff, you know, and you're there, it's a really interesting thing to see and a really interesting way to see, potentially see a parade in the float. So those parties happen. You can check out the various websites to figure out how to get tickets and that sort of stuff. But And the parties are adult only. Adult only, and they usually have big name acts, and they usually go, you know, until late in the morning. Uh, so they have big name music acts in addition to cover bands and stuff. And it's just people sitting around drinking, eating, dancing, and having a good time. So, Sam, any tips you'd have around Mardi Gras, having been more of a bystander and less of a participant? No, not I. No more. No additional tips for Mardi Gras. The one thing I would say is New Orleans has a ton of food that they're famous for. Obviously, things like po' boy sandwiches, jambalaya, gumbo. We didn't talk about king cake, right? Well, let me. I was going to get there. They don't call them pralines. They call them pralines. So pralines, which are the the candy. They, you know, the obviously Tabasco and. Crystal sauce, as Brian mentioned, there's, you know, they have chicory coffee. So there are a bunch of different things. And then the, the Mardi Gras treat is king cake. You don't have to wait for Mardi Gras, I think, though, to get king cake. I think you can find it other times of year at either local bakeries or in, even in the local grocery store. There's a chain called Rouse's. They have a location in the quarter, but they also have bigger locations out in the suburbs. And they sell king cakes. They have different flavors. There's like Bavarian cream. Well, they have different fillings. Imagine a king cake is like a, a big filled donut style cake. 
Some come, some come plain. Those are kind of not the ones that most people get, but some come plain. Some come with cream cheese filling, custard type of fillings, which is the Bavarian, and then fruit fillings. My favorite is a Bavarian cinnamon king cake. Uh, and the reason they call it king cake is you get a, get a little plastic baby Jesus, and uh, they used to just bake it into the cake, but you can imagine the choking hazard that that presented. So now they give it to you kind of with your cake, and you can choose to insert the baby Jesus in the cake somewhere. And then the whole point is, as you eat the cake, whoever gets the baby Jesus out of the king cake has a year of good luck ahead of them, provided they don't choke on the baby Jesus before they eat the king cake. So uh, because Mardi Gras is ultimately... Uh, the culmination of a religious holiday called Carnival down in Brazil. But it's it's the time for uh, the history of it is it was the time to eat all the foods that were going to spoil if you didn't eat them and then go without for the period of, of Lent. And Ash Wednesday is the day after Mardi Gras Day. So if you want to know when Mardi Gras is going to happen, you just have to find out when Ash Wednesday is going to happen. And it's the Tuesday before, although you can also just search for Mardi Gras and year and your favorite search engine, and it will tell you when that year's Mardi Gras is going to happen. So, well, that's a good tip, Sam, about the food. So glad you brought that up. You know, the other the other big food item down there is barbecue shrimp. And I just wanted to highlight that because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, shrimp and grits and barbecue shrimp. Barbecue shrimp is not shrimp grilled on a barbecue. It is basically shrimp that is braised in a seasoned butter. And then you eat the shrimp and you soak up the butter with kind of toasted bread. And it's very fattening, but very delicious. So uh, also a favorite of ours is the barbecue shrimp and different people do it differently. But in New Orleans, that tends to be the style they do it. So with that, Sam, any last minute tips before we uh, sign off here? Just that, just be prepared for lots of fried food. It's a, it is a Southern city and the food reflects it. Yes. Yes, that's true. It is fried food. So yes, having grown up in the South where macaroni and cheese is a vegetable side, fried food is the way to go. All vegetables are cooked. Any vegetable that can be deep fried will be deep fried. And uh, yeah, so just, Sam's right. Just prepare for that. Not a lot of salads on the menu in my experience. Oh, the other famous food down there, the local food, two other local foods, and then we are going to wrap up. Zaps, chips, I think is from New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Zaps, Zaps chips from New Orleans, yep. and they have a, a special flavor down there called Voodoo Chips, uh, which is sort of geared toward Mardi Gras. Uh, and then there's a there's a, a a famous food in New Orleans that used to be available all year round, and they would just come up with special flavors at Mardi Gras time. Its current situation is unclear. It was called Hubig's Pies, which Hubig's Pies are kind of like the hostess pies you can buy at a gas station, but they were made much fresher. Uh, they had a lot of interesting fillings. So instead of just, you know, like a chocolate apple kind of situation, they would also do sweet potato and lemon and some things that were more geared toward the the deep south, I guess I would say. Uh, unfortunately, the Hubig's factory burned down in Katrina uh, and they have been struggling to reopen ever since. And the rights to Hubig's have passed through several different hands, but they keep claiming they're coming back. They're coming back. And so if you're down there around Mardi Gras time, that is probably the one time that you might see Hubig's right now because I love to revive that brand around Mardi Gras because it is so beloved by locals. We actually have a piece of street art we bought in New Orleans related to Hubig's Pies hanging up in our house. Uh, it's really popular down there. So if you see one of those, I'd say grab it. It's a local favorite and uh, something that they love to eat. So, all right, with that, we are going to wrap up here. Uh, we will have more about New Orleans as we do our trip report after our upcoming sailing. We are definitely going to have some stuff out on our vlog about New Orleans to maybe show you some of these spots that we're talking about. Can't wait to be back there. It's been years since we've been to New Orleans, and so we're really looking forward to being back. Uh, and with that, we will wrap it up here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Take care. 
Well, thanks as always for listening to our bonus episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have uh, suggestions for bonus content that we could put out, hey, let us know. Questions, people you'd like us to talk to, that sort of thing. We're always open to show suggestions, so just let us know. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way. And we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly, so don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo blog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up from our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of the show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.